turn to chapter 12 of our book, please. The, the Gospel of John. And where we finished, and here's where we finished. We had a final appeal from the Lord Jesus to the Jews. Um, their king was among them. And here's what we find. And we have something of a meditation at the end there on the extraordinary fact of Jewish unbelief. Verse 36 of chapter 12. This is where we left the story. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may be children of light. With these words, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. He a final appeal. The light's here, walk in it, it was over. And we follow that up in verse 37, they didn't believe in him. Even though he'd done so many signs in front of their eyes. Verse 42, even so, however, quite a few of the rulers did believe in him, but... Because of the Pharisees, they didn't declare their faith for fear of being put out of the synagogues. This was because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So we have this astonishing fact. Um, They'd seen, they didn't believe. Some did believe, and they were overwhelmed with cowardice. From that, we turn in chapter 13. I'd like to get through a few verses today. We'll have to see how we go. <laughs> I was, I've been strictly cautioned by my wife. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to look in this direction. And <laughs> Okay, so with that dark picture, no, it, the messianic mission had failed among the Jews. We enter chapter 13. The next five chapters cover just a few hours, really. And we see the rise and the perfection, the encouragement, the elevation of faith in the disciples. Of course, they had a huge challenge. Um, they had become attached to him. The world was against him. It was going to be against them. And he was going to be taken away. So there was this huge challenge that Jesus had to get them ready for. Before that 50 days, the day of Pentecost, where they would be godded with God, where they would be sealed with the Spirit. And the danger was over, as it were. So, um, can we read a few verses? And we may pause and go back. Verse chapter 13. It was before the festival of Passover. Jesus knew that his time had come. The time for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And that's in direct contrast to that other phrase we heard, we've read so often. Mine hour is not yet. My hour has not yet come. Now, it had come. He had always loved his own in the world. He'd always done that. Now, he perfectly manifested all his love to them. And that's a little bit of a combination of translations from, uh, I think... I suggest to you that that is a correct sense. Um, all right. He always loved them. Now, he manifested perfectly to the end. He manifested completely all his love to them. That's what's about to happen. 
Introduction 2. It was supper time, verse 2, chapter 13. It was supper time. The devil had already put the idea of betraying him into the heart of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Now look, um, perhaps we'll come back to Judas later. So he already ins- sorry, he'd already insinuated this idea into him. Um, disappointed, uh, betrayed Judas. He signed up for greatness. Obviously he was the Messiah. Look at the miracles. If I get online here, uh, my ambitions... This is a, a suggested reading of Judas, okay? But, uh, remember he was a thief, he was taking money from the purse. He wasn't like the others we discovered. Jesus knew it from chapter 6. He said, one of you is going to betray me. Chapter 6, he already knew. He knew all the way through. He could see it. And yet... Although he'd spent the entire night in prayer and sought the Father's direction, and the Father directed him, choose these twelve disciples. Have not I chosen you, and yet one of you is a devil? And he, and he chose Judas, knowing what he was made of, knowing what he was going to do, uh, and under the Father's direction, he chose him. We'll come back to that a bit later. It wasn't... He, there were plenty of opportunities for Judas to change. Plenty, and the last one coming up here, the um, the expression par excellence of fellowship and love that Jesus gave him, but ultimately his heart was hardened and he went out. Anyway, this was a stage in that process. He put the idea in his head, in his heart. The devil had already put the idea of betraying him into the heart of Judas, son of Simon, of Simon Iscariot. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given everything into his hands, conscious of his sorrow, this is John's reminiscence. Remember this is John, 60 years down the line, looking back. Now look, I'm not very old, but I can look back on my... So John, John would have been in his early 20s, wouldn't he, roughly? Isn't that what they say? So sort of 40 years ago... No, sorry. He would have been 80-ish at the time of writing. 60 years ago, he was looking back, remembering what the young John saw, remembering what the young John was thinking, remembering the, remembering the young John's impressions of Jesus in the flesh as he walked with him. And he said... But the, the, the context for what happened is that Jesus, knowing that he was sovereign, knowing that everything had been put into his hands, oh yeah, I remember, he knew old John, thinking back to young John's observations of the Lord, oh yeah, he knew, he knew all right, I would come from the Father. Okay, and that's not the only thing, he didn't only know about his sovereignty, he knew and that he'd come from God. I remember, he knew that he'd come from God. And he knew that he was going back to the Father. That was the context. Knowing these things, he got up from the supper table. So John gives us the context. Jesus, conscious of his greatness, conscious of his King of Kingness, of his Lord of Lordness. John says, he... And yet, knowing all that, not and yet, but because of that, he did this, did this extraordinary thing. He got up from the table and took off his clothes. Thank you, Tom Wright. Actually, it's, he took off his outer garment. Um, the word is imata. 
So, the kit they wore in those days was the chiton, or the kiton, I don't know how you pronounce it, um, which was a tunic, t-shirt affair, undergarment, it was an undergarment, the kiton, undergarment, down to the knees roughly, that was it. And if, you, if that's all they were wearing, the scripture said they were naked. Because they weren't wearing the imata, the outer garment, which nobody would go out of the house in the kit on. And you, you wouldn't go out in your underwear. So they, you understand? Yeah, it was the underwear. Um, so to go out of the house, they would wear the outer garment, the imata. Incidentally, it was the imata and the cloak, the two sorts of outer, gar- outer garment, that they gambled for at the foot of the cross. No, it wasn't. They didn't gamble for that. They gambled, sorry, they divided them into four. Do you know There were some garments at the foot of the cross, they divided into four pieces, and one one, uh, soldier had a piece each. But when they came to the kit on, the inner garment, the underwear, because it was woven from one piece, no seams, I guess that was a comfort thing, Uh, no seam, they said, oh, let's not tear this up. Let's cast lots for it. Okay, so it was the undergarment, the kit on, that they cast lots for. So Jesus, he takes off the imata, the outer garment. Why? Well, it's what slaves wore. So he, he was going to perform the role of the lowest slave in the house. And he made himself look like the lowest slave in the house. He took off his outer garment. Hmm. Now, the suggestion is that this hadn't been done, and Jesus let it pass. The, the disrespect, nobody had troubled to wash the feet of the Master. Uh, I think we need to go back a bit. Can we go back to Luke 22, uh, where we have the same meal, I would suggest. I'm not going to get bogged down in a very lengthy discussion about that. I'm suggesting we have the same meal, uh, different things being drawn out from in Luke, who wasn't there, by the way. He was writing from other people's recollections. Do you remember Luke, the doctor? He wasn't one of the disciples. He was writing from other people's recollections. He most carefully gathered, he went around and he interviewed all the witnesses and all the people who'd been there, and he came up with his gospel. He most carefully researched it. He acted as a scientist and a historian in researching all the data, all the anecdotal recollections, and he wrote it down. But he wasn't there, and he wasn't John. John was not only there, he was John. He was the um, one whom Jesus confided in the most, as it were, the one who understood him most closely, the one who Jesus loved, we'd read later on. So we get a, we get a, more, a more intimate perspective from John. We'll see that in this account. Anyway, here's Luke's account of the same time. Let us just cut down. Luke 22, verse 24. Here's what we read. They started to bicker. Probably, okay, let's just read this. Probably, he already instituted the, the Lord's Supper at this time. Probably that was in verse 1 of chapter 13. Again, let's not get involved in that discussion. Verse 24 of Luke 22, a quarrel began among them, which of them was to be seen as most important. Oh, it is at that supper. 
And it's, I, what I'm reading this for is, it seems likely that this bickering among the disciples was the fact that precipitated Jesus' action. Alright? I'm suggesting to you. So we're going to read this. 25, uh, 24, a quarrel began among them. Which of them was to be seen as the most important? Jesus said, Pagan kings lord it over their subjects, said Jesus to them. And the people in power get themselves called benefactors. That's not how it's to be with you. The most important among you ought to be like the youngest. The leader should be like the servant. After all, who is more important? The one who sits at table or the one who waits on him? The one at the table, obviously. But I'm with you here like a servant. Okay. So the bickering and Jesus' response. Can we go back to our passage? <clears throat> knowing that he was the greatest, knowing we got um, verse 3 of chapter 13 of John's Gospel. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands. He was the sovereign, Lord of lords, the eternal word. Jesus, knowing that he'd come from God, knowing that he was going back to the God, back to God. He dressed up like a slave and filled a basin of water. He wrapped a towel around himself, so two hands are free for the washing, and he went around and washed their feet and dried them with a towel. It, 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 it was not known in the world at any time until then that the greatest should be the slave. You and I, we're conditioned by Western culture. Western culture has been informed by the gospel for 2,000 years. I come out of a background where the whole uh, apparatus of state is bathed in a consciousness of the Christian gospel. We have the Prince of Wales' uh, motto, Ich dien, I serve. Uh, so the whole, the whole concept of statehood and what proper power should look right, like has been conditioned to some extent in the West by the Gospel. But at that time it was unheard of. The potentate taking the lowest place? Cut off it. If you've, if you've got the power, then you use it and you make people um, bow and scrape to you. So we, we can't because of our backgrounds, we can't really imagine how foreign it was to them. Fair enough? Jesus had an horror of pretensions to hierarchy in his church. They were bickering about, who's going to be most important in the kingdom? Oh, great! Jesus is going to be king! And this is what Judas couldn't get over. The others got over it. They were infected with these delusions, but as Jesus talked to them, they repented of them and moved away from them. Judas wouldn't do it. He was rock solid in his pride and his arrogance and his ambition. Huh? He's a Messiah? That kind of Messiah? No way, I'm not having that. And went off and sold him and tried to curry favour with the authorities that he was becoming out of favour with because he got on the wrong side. That's how I'm going to suggest things happen for Judas. 
and Jesus could see it back then and there was every oppo- there were various opportunities for him to switch and ultimately he didn't switch and in that moment of most careful most loving communion where he gave him the sock the sign of honour and he took it no and then John records Satan entered into his heart in verse 1 verse 2 Satan put the idea in his head but ultimately his heart became so hardened that he had to strengthen himself in Satan to get the job done and to do this deed betray the one who he knew was Messiah but not the sort of Messiah he wanted but we'll come to that if we get to it so here we have so he got up from supper, he laid aside his outer clothes, wrapped a towel around himself, he looked like a slave, he acted like a slave, to wipe them with a towel. Verse 6, and he, when he came to Simon Peter, Master, said Peter, what's this, you washing my feet? And a gentle remonstration out of respect. Is that right? You're the Master, you're the Lord. Washing my feet, what's this? that lovely but it wasn't altogether lovely because well, it, and so we've got this thing Peter rightly wanted to honour the Lord but his remonstration was based in something the very thing that the Lord Jesus wanted to purge out how do you take that on it was right that Peter should honour the Lord it was wrong that the motivation should be his adherence to worldly pride, worldly carnal messianism. So, Peter gave him a gentle remonstration. And Jesus' reply was gentle. Listen to this. What's this, Master? You washing my feet? You don't understand yet what I'm doing, replied Jesus, but you'll know afterwards. <laughs> he, wasn't, Jesus wasn't, he wasn't changing tack. He just said, it's all right, Peter, you don't understand, but you'll know afterwards. A gentle remonstration, a gentle response, no deviation of action. Jesus carried on doing it. So Peter, up to the ante, typical Peter, bring out a sword. Ah, i got a sword! Block the bloke's ear off. Um, <laughs> and then, in the next scene, we have him denying the Lord Jesus. Oh, Peter. From one extreme to the other, man. So Peter, he goes off the deep end. He... He had been met with gentleness, with a gentle remonstration. Lord, are you going to wash my feet? What is this? And so the next line is, I'm not going to have you washing my feet, said Peter. Never! Oh dear, oh Peter. Off he goes, right off the deep end again. And the reply of the Lord Jesus um, matches it for categoricalness he says if I don't wash you replied Jesus you don't belong to me his, his, his reply is just as categorical never you've got no part in me isn't that lovely 
This is marvellous, isn't it? If, so if we, <laughs> we can receive gentle replies from the Lord Jesus. But if we get ratty, he will get equally firm. If we get... Um, is that, that was it. Okay, Peter, never. You say never? Okay, here's the, here's the proper response to never. If you don't let me wash you, you've got no part in me. Zonk. Um, <clears throat> so, we need to be aware that the Lord isn't around, he's not our mother. Um, he's not the soft touch to run around pandering to our... our uh, to us. To our misconceptions. He's not there to run around pandering to our delusions. He's there to save us. He's here to save us. Uh, never! If, I don't, if you let me wash you, you've got nothing to do with me. What? Yeah. If you and I, and it's the same for you and me, if we don't come off this idea of worldly hierarchy, Jesus couldn't have that in the church. He, he couldn't risk having people lording it over. Oh, I'm the apostle. So now you're going to clean my shoes and do this, that, and the other, and whatever it is. Now I'm the most important. He wasn't going to have it. Now look, they... And so he manifested to them an utterly different disposition. He the greatest among you, let him be the least. We have it in Matthew chapter 18 as well. Can we have a quick look? Can we quickly look in Matthew 18? Uh, here it is. If we look in the first few verses... The disciples came to Jesus. So then they said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Oh, they're at it again. Oh, it's who's going to be the number one? Who's going to be the big boss? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child and stood her in the midst of them. I'm telling you the truth, he said, unless you are converted and become like little children, you will never even get into the kingdom of heaven. Far less be the greatest thing in heaven. Mate, if you don't get converted and become as a little child, you ain't even going to get in to the kingdom of heaven. Oh. They're on the wrong track. Do you see the similarity? Was it something new? No. Jesus had been doing that from the time of the incarnation. That had been the whole spirit in which he'd come. Our God contracted to a span, the eternal one coming. He took upon him the form of sinful flesh, the very thing he hated. He, he, he came to look like it. He took on himself the form of sinful flesh. We're in Philippians chapter 3. I let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. But they didn't really understand that yet. They kind of were beginning to suss out that he was the eternal God. They were kind of beginning to... I'll say it the other way around. They were kind of beginning to understand that he is Messiah. They kind of were beginning to understand that he's God. Hadn't quite got there yet. In a few chapters they would have done. Um, But it wasn't yet formulated as a doctrine. So here was an object lesson in the eternal God coming to serve and to be abased. 
for you and me it's got to be a basement otherwise we, we've got nothing to do with him we're kidding ourselves Peter, if you don't let me do this to you if you don't accept this kind of messiah I can't have you around mate let's read on verse 9 alright then master said Simon Peter (laughs) oh Peter not my feet only all of me wash my hands and my head as well verse 9 verse 10 someone who has washed said Jesus to him doesn't need to wash again except for their feet they're all clean all over and you're clean but not all of you uh, can I suggest that Peter had rendered himself clean by adhering to Jesus in real faith he believed Um, he had accepted Jesus he was in sincere faith toward the person of Jesus in that in as much then as he'd done that he was entirely clean as he could be at that time his his change of heart his adherence to Jesus his faith in Jesus was accepted through that rather he had pardoned he was effectively asking to be baptised again. But, we who have faith in Jesus and are pardoned need to be washed daily. We're clean! And we need to be washed daily, moment by moment, so that the things that accrete to us on our feet as we walk through the world can be washed away can I just make this observation that the things that accrete to us to us stick to us that are unclean can serve to point out they're supposed to serve to point out that there's something in us that they hook onto and the proper response for us is when we discover that there's something in us that things that are unclean are hooking onto is to repent of it. Peter discovered that there was something in him that this pride was hooking onto. This understanding of what greatness is. And the proper response was to be washed of it and to repent of it. So that when we discover the dirty thing in us, that, oh, Lord, my feet keep getting dirty like that, oh, that's because there's something in you that they can hook onto. So we've got to repent of it. So we're, <laughs> we're clean again, and it doesn't hook onto us anymore. Look, guys, we need to be clean. We need to really be clean. We need to be converted. And even as we're clean and converted, there'll be things that need to, we need to be washed of and as we're washed of them we need to repent of what makes them stick to us so we've got to be renewed and I don't want to and we mustn't suggest that oh Christianity is just we're just the same as everyone else no no you've got to be clean 
But we've got to understand that even though we're clean, stuff will stick to us. It needs to be washed off. And it should serve to illustrate to us the wrongness of heart sometimes that needs to be repented of that it was sticking to us because of it sounds a bit complicated doesn't it I don't think it is very um, shall we move on verse 10 someone who's washed doesn't need to wash again just their feet they're clean all over and you're clean but not all of you Okay, and here's John's commentary verse 11 Jesus knew you see who was going to betray him that's why he said you're not all clean so in the midst of this group of 12 that Jesus had chosen there was one who wasn't adhering to Jesus through sincere faith he was there for a different reason and it was all going to go pear shaped for him he wasn't one of those who can we look in chapter 6 again that trinity that triple sign chapter 6 of John uh, we got that triple sign can I find the verses 39 639 this is the will of the one who sent me that I should lose nothing out of everything that he has given me he wasn't one of the ones that was being given to Jesus by the Father one of the ones that belonged to the Father and had been given to Jesus to look after and bring to perfection of faith he wasn't one of those that's verse 44 no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Alright. Verse 45. They shall all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to me, sorry, everyone who listens to what comes from the Father and learns from it comes to me. Given by the, by the Father, drawn by the Father taught by the Father Judas's faith wasn't the sincere sort he wasn't hanging around because of moral need the Father's giving me to Jesus the Father's uh, teaching me the Father's drawing me to stick to Jesus I've got to attach myself to him that wasn't Judas and again and again a few times um, we have we, Jesus makes it very clear that he's very much, much aware of that moving on right back in chapter 13 
So when he'd washed their feet, verse 12, he put his outer garment on again and sat down. Do you know what I've done to you, he asked? You call me teacher or master. You're right, that's what I am. Well then, if I was your master and teacher, washed your feet just now, did the part of the basest slave, you should wash each other's feet I've given you a pattern so that you can do things in the same way that I did to you. Guys, even though they had Jesus among them, they had, the penny hadn't really dropped, he had to purge it out of them. He wanted to let their faith be purified so that when he went, there wasn't, he wanted to minimize the danger of them being like the pagans. Any sense of hierarchical pretensions. There ought to be no popes around here. Nobody being the big guy that gives that takes the money from them. Nobody being the one that gives the orders. Nobody being the big cheese. I've got God's ear, so you need to listen to me. There's to be none of that. If you've got God's if you've got God's ear, then you need to act like me. You need to live to live for your brother. You need to live to lift your brother up, not climb up on his back. <coughs> Otherwise, it ain't anything to do with Jesus. So, just as a principle, perhaps it's not such a good idea that we get into big bosses and big salaries and important people in the church. Diametrically opposed to what Jesus was doing. Which is not to make a rule, but just to establish the principle. Alright. Well then, so you do things in the same way that I did to you. I'm telling you, verse 16, the solemn truth the slave isn't greater than the master. Apostles, people who are sent, are not greater than the person who sends them. If you know these things, that's wonderful! Oh, it's a wonderful principle! We think this is marvellous! Oh no, you're not going to get off that lightly. Okay? You don't get marks for thinking this is a good idea, guys. Let's get real. I'm just saying. Jesus said, if you know these things, oh, that's so good. Uh-uh. <laughs> we don't get off so foolishly. If you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. Ha! Right? It's not some theory. Guys, just get on and do the right thing. It's, uh, I don't want to be silly, but you know, we we can get carried away with religious notions and think, oh, it's marvelous. Oh. <laughs> yeah. it's, if you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. Okay. So, moving on. Verse 18. I'm not talking about you all, he went on. I know 
the ones I've chosen. I know you all. He's chosen twelve, and I know all about you. You're not all like this. What the Bible says has come to pass. It's come true. The person who ate bread, ate my bread, lifted up his heel against me. Psalm 51. I'm telling you this now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you may believe that I am who I am. I am who I say I am. It's not some dupe. It's not a big surprise. I haven't been cheated by Judas. It's not a big surprise. I'm telling you this now so that when it happens, you can remember that I I really am who I say I am. I'm not being led up the garden path. I let him do this. Don't be surprised. Don't be worried. So there was a possibility that after Judas betrayed them, it should undermine their faith. He said, no, 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 no. I'm telling you these things now so that when it happens, your faith should be enhanced. Ah, yes. The Lord said this was going to happen. Okay. Verse 20. I'm telling you the solemn truth. Anyone who welcomes someone I send welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. So, verse 21, after saying this, Jesus was troubled in spirit. Oh, he could see what was about to happen and it troubled him. He could see that the betrayal was about to play out and it troubled him the disciples uh, sorry he was told, he told them why I'm telling you the truth one of you will betray me the disciples looked at each other in shock wondering who he could be talking about in Matthew it said each one of them asked him Lord is it me? Why are you going to let it all... They each asked him that in Matthew's account. Lord, is it me? Is it I? Is it I? They weren't quite sure. Am I going to hold the line, Lord? Okay. Do you remember that? Do, you, do we need to read it? We haven't got time. Uh, you can go to it in Matthew 26. Is it I? Lord, is it I? In shock, wondering who he'd be talking about. One of the disciples, the one whom Jesus especially loved, John, was reclining at table beside him. Okay, so that his head was on his breast. You know how it was? Do you remember this? You remember this, the deal, don't you? So when they ate, they lay on their sides with their heads to the center, propped up on the left hand with the right hand free to move. So this bloke had his head near the chest of the next bloke. So if Jesus was there and John was here, he was reclining on his chest. So he was pretty near. Okay. 
So that's the picture. Or at least that's the setup. Simon Peter motioned to John. He signaled to him, John. Right? He beckoned to him. It's just what it says. Okay, we're allowed to listen and read and see the picture. Simon Peter motioned to him to ask him who it was he was talking about. So, leaning back against Jesus' chair, Master, who is it? All right? Okay. It was a big one. Verse 26. It's the one I'm going to give this piece of bread to, said Jesus, when I've dipped it in the dish. Apparently, it was a custom that the father at the feast would take a piece of bread and dip it in a sauce. The sauce was made, I'm told, the sauce was made by boiling fruit in wine. Apparently, this was the Passover feast, so he dipped the piece of bread and he honoured the guest by dipping it in the sauce and giving it to the guest. And Jesus said, the one that I give this piece of bread to, and I've dipped it in the sauce. That was between Jesus and John. Nobody else knew. According to John's memory. Oh, man. Looking back 60 years. Okay. It's the one I'm going to give this piece of bread to, said Jesus, when I dipped it in the dish. So he dipped the piece of bread and gave it to Judas, the son of Iscariot. After the bread, Satan entered into him. Okay. So, we haven't got time to say it all again, but that disappointment, I suggest, here was an opportunity. Even now, for Judas to turn. Jesus has said to John, the one that I give this to, that's the one. Do you think John would have been watching him? Of course. Um, And I guess that he saw change come over Judas another level of commitment to evil another step I guess we must assume that it changed his appearance that something happened and John said Satan after the bread when he refused this last opportunity when this gift of love this hope, this this invitation to communion was ultimately 
no, I'm going to get him up. He's disappointed me. I'm on the wrong side of the authorities because of him. He's not doing what I want him to do. And John says, Satan entered into his heart. He can sort of see the change come over him. And he could see the change come over him because he, and only he, had been told the one that I give this bit of bread to. He's the one. Okay? I think that's how we can understand these events. After the bread, Satan then to him, Do it quickly, won't you? Said Jesus to him. Go on, off you go, Judas. None of the others at the table knew what he meant, because Judas kept the common purse. Some were thinking that he meant, Buy what we need for the festival, or that he was to give something to the poor. Jesus sent him away. So when Judas had taken the bread, he went out at once. It was night. Jesus had things to do. He wanted to talk to the others. He had to talk to them. He had to uh, help them. He had to elevate their faith. Okay, Judas. Jesus could see that his last appeal to Judas had been unsuccessful. And so he sent him away. Come on then. What you do, do quickly. Judas, he's off. I think that's probably how we can read those things. And then, next time we can, next time, uh, Jesus can talk to those others without restraint. The last thing against him had been removed. Ah, hallelujah. And so we have this next phase of conversation. And Jesus can uh, open his heart to them in a, an untrammeled, much freer way. Oh Lord. And so we start to approach the and we're going to be able to have a look and have a think and, and feel what was happening there as Jesus blessed them and talked to them and he wanted to put into them uh, what was going to make them strong enough to face his departure it was going to be risky I mean, you know, it was going to be risky they had been, they become attached to him. They'd given him their hearts. They hadn't got the Holy Ghost yet. They hadn't been made new yet. And he was going to go away. Father, later on he's going to pray, Father, keep them. love you. Thank you for doing all these things for us. Please we take up our hearts and help our faith. Lord, thank you for putting faith in our hearts. 
Thank you for, through it all, working in us to keep us and to make us yours. So that, please, today, Lord, will you help us to walk worthy of you, O Lord. Help us to walk, Lord, as proper witnesses. We should bear our witness. Thank you for your word. We hunger and thirst after you, Lord. Thank you for feeding us.